0: Hello there. Welcome to Talent and Growth. I am your host, Paul Church. You probably knew that. You probably also know that this is the podcast dedicated to people, the people who make your business tick. How do we attract the best people? How do we keep those people already in your company and everything in between? And today we're talking an incredibly important aspect of that candidate experience. And we are joined by two brothers, Chris and Carl Connors, the co-founders of Candidate. Dot FYI, And also one of our favorite friends of the podcast, Mary Straybringer. And we're talking, yeah, how can you improve candidate experience? How does it tie into employee experience? And what are the things we can do to assess where we're at with it? The impact of having a good candidate experience, the impact of having a bad candidate experience. So, Everything to do with Canada Experience is talked about in this conversation. So there's a few firsts with this because I think it's the first time we've had three guests on. It's definitely the first time I've had two brothers on. And it's the first time I'm publishing an episode when it's actually the guest's birthday. So happy birthday to Chris Connors. Here's the birthday present. A nice episode of Talent and Growth, especially for you. Here we go. Just before we go into today's episode, are you interested to find out how your talent acquisition process stacks up amongst your peers, your competitors? Let us know because the Enemo group, of which I am also the co-founder as well as being the dynamic host of Talent and Growth, we are offering a free talent acquisition evaluation where we will look at your processes, we will look at your branding, we will look at your content, we'll look at how your doing in terms of attracting the best people to your business and we'll give you some free advice on how to get better if you need it but we'll also tell you how you stack up against your competitors and your peers completely free do drop me a note if you're interested to see how you're doing on the ta side of things paul at ianemogroup.com here's the episode so thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Talent and Grove. And I've got not one, not two, but three guests with me. So I'm going to go around the virtual table and ask everybody to introduce themselves. Mary, let's start with you. Welcome back to Talent and Grove. How are you doing? And can you just let us know who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, so great to be here. Thanks for having me back, Paul. Hello, everyone. I'm Mary Strevenger. I'm a fractional talent and people leader and founder of Hero Hire Club. I consult across ABC Portfolio and I partner with founders and early leadership to build scalable people foundations and higher key roles across eng, product design, go-to-market, ops, and exec for seed through series C startups, social enterprise, and nonprofits. Previous to the wild, wild fractional world west known as 2023, I wore a lot of talent, people, and culture leadership hats at Who Gives a Crap? a direct-to-consumer subscription e-commerce for toilet paper and certified B Corp for the past three years. I've got an equal mix in my career of in-house agency and embedded consulting experience across HR, awesome talent. And I just love those early stages. So thanks for having me again, Paul. It's such a treat.
0: Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Chris, same question to you. Please introduce yourself, who you are and what you do.
2: Yeah, Paul, uh, first off, thanks for having us here. Great to be here. So my name is Chris Connors. I'm one of the co-founders of Candidate FYI my brother who is here as well, Kyle. We started the company a bit over a year ago. We came out of stealth more recently in February and all around the candidate experience, we are trying to really fix this sort of broken process between candidate applying all the way up until being a fully onboarded employee. My background is software, so I come from Google, I come from Yext, and I'm your candidate that's experienced the good, the bad, and the ugly. So a lot of passion going into building this company.
0: All right, thanks, Chris. And before I go on to Carl, quick question. What was the kind of a, a point, which was the trigger point? You can look back and think, right, you thought back and thought, right, I need to set up this business.
2: Yep, great question. So, And I actually, I show it when I demo our product. So my experience through the last interview process I was ever on, I was so overwhelmed. It was so chaotic. There were so many emails going back and forth between me and the talent team and PDFs and links and that's when I turn to Kyle. It's like, we need to come up with a solution to this.
0: Love it. Thanks, Chris. Carl, intros from you, my friend.
2: Absolutely. Again, yeah, thanks for having us on, Paul. Super excited to be
3: on here. So, co-founder of Canada FYI. start with Chris, co-founder and brother. We started the company last year, launched the product in February. I come from a technical background, so I've been VP of engineering, VP of product, CTO. A big part of my career has been building out engineering teams, product teams, hiring engineers, designers, product managers, and was just so frustrated on the lack of tooling that was available to cater to the candidate and really enhancing their experience as they're interacting with you during that short but very important time. So that kind of was a driving force or factor for starting Canada FYI.
0: Fantastic. And of course, we're going to be talking all about candidate experience today. Before I do that, Carl, what's it like running a business with your brother?
3: Uh, there's ups and downs. It's, uh, you know, we got a lot of each other, but at the end of the day, it's great to really know your co founder, right? So we've known each other for as long as we have been alive, and we kind of know our points to back off but you know driving (laughs) further so you know it's great and the one thing i'd say that's kind of unique about us is that we're you know brothers but we're very different right so chris comes from like the sales background he's this very personable person who could speak with anyone me i'm more of that you know introvert technical type person so us working together we work very well together and you know we've always kind of worked together on different businesses and whatnot so
0: yeah we work well together Chris, from an equity and inclusivity point of view, it's probably fair I ask you the same question. Do you have anything you'd like to add to that?
2: I mean, I just want to mirror Kyle. its I'll tell you, we learn pretty early on each other's basically trigger points, right? So we work really well together. We have a lot of fun working together. We also live 10 minutes away from each other, right? So our families are always, we're always doing some sort of event on the weekends or during the week. And Kyle and I are like, well, Chris and I see a lot of each other during the week. So... <laughs> But uh, no, we love it. It's great.
0: Glad to hear it. Okay, right. Candidate experience. Carl, let's define for you what it is, when it begins, when's it end. Let's set the scene.
3: Yeah, so it's candidate experience. It's really every single touch point that a candidate has with you as a company, right? So that is when they're actually reviewing your site, reviewing you as a company, and thinking about applying all the way up until they're an employee, right? And we like to say the first 45 days of employment because there's still a pretty decent probability that they could leave, right? So at that point, they're still a candidate. So we like to think of that candidate defining it as before they've actually applied, all the way up into that initial moments of them being an employee. So it's their experience along that entire journey. That's really what defines
0: that candidate experience fantastic Mary we did a whole episode on this didn't we so anything you want to how do you want to set the scene on candidate experience
1: yeah Kyle's pretty comprehensive there but I'll add a few more pieces I just saw a statistic recently that 48% of candidates have already been aware of your brand before they apply and only 2% of them will apply if they had some sort of, there's a bad sentiment out there. So whether it's word of mouth or maybe had a clunky experience as a customer, those things go really, really far. On the flip side, if they heard great things about from employees or former employees or people that have been through the process before, or just had a great delightful customer experience or just found your brand or services really delightful, they're more keen to apply. And then on the flip side, The candidate experience also extends to that 99% that don't get the role, right? There's people that go through your process, whether it's through the application and are gently rejected or see your process end to end. It's really critical to make sure that the way you treat your 1% is also the way you treat your 99%. So everyone gets a really, it's not just for diversity, equity, inclusion, but just for that golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated and be really kind and be really clear.
0: Absolutely. And I think we often talk about how do we give great candidate experience? And of course, that's what we want. But actually, in some ways, what we're trying to do is make sure we don't give a bad one because people are much more likely to talk about a bad one than a good one. And as you said, that has big impacts on the brand and people's impressions of a business, right? Exactly.
2: That's a great point, Paul. So me as a candidate, I can remember almost every bad candidate experience I've had, right? Like I remember pretty vividly when I've been ghosted, when I've been told I was going to hear back from someone and I never did hear back. So those experiences stick with me and, and based on speaking with other candidates, stick with that. Yeah, with you. And Chris, let, I'll ask you the next one. What For you, how can a business
0: truly quantify whether their candidate experience is where it needs to be?
2: Yep. So great question, Paul. So... We look at a few different things, and our customers do as well. So things like offer acceptance rates, uh, retention, top of funnel, so sourcing and candidate attraction, and then even new customers, right? Because we have a big saying of, like, treat your candidates like you treat your customers, because at the end of the day, they can be customers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Chris, what, what was the, what's the worst candidate experience you've had that stands out in your mind? Does anything kind of spring to mind?
2: So worst candidate experience for me... I mean, I won't pinpoint the absolute worst, but I'll pinpoint some of the things that felt like the worst, right? Like Mm. just that feeling of defeat throughout the entire process. So being so excited about a company and putting so much time and energy and resources into preparing and figuring out how to succeed and just like giving it your all and not hearing back, right? Like putting so much time and effort in with these companies and not really knowing how to prepare, not really understanding who I'm going to be meeting with, no real transparency into the process, and just feeling completely defeated throughout that entire experience.
0: Yeah, and that's not what we want. Well, I shared on a webinar recently, it wasn't me as the candidate, but I was a witness to, I was the co-interviewer and I was a junior manager, and this is a, in the old days in a recruitment agency, and the person who was leading the interview, we went in there, we sat down, this is when there was paper CVs, my co-interviewer ripped up the CV and then said, Why's the hire you?
1: <laughs> Listener, if we're you could, if you see, yeah. yeah,
0: if you could see the looks on the on the audio there, you would, uh, yeah, cool. So that, yeah, that's the example of really bad experience for sure.
3: And I just want to go back to one point that Chris made on the impact for your hiring funnel with candidate experience. So if you really look at your entire hiring funnel from a candidate experience side, if you are having candidates with a negative experience, what are they doing? They're going and they're telling their friends and their family, right, about that negative experience. They're potentially giving you negative reviews on Glassdoor. So then that's impacting your top of the funnel because every single candidate is reviewing those reviews ahead of time or checking with their friends and family on the background of this company. So now they're not applying to your company, right? So that's impacting the top of the funnel. There's a stat in the middle of your funnel, over half or about half of all rejected offers are due to poor experience. So that's impacting your middle of the funnel. And then one fifth of all turnover happens within the first 45 days of employment. Where does that start? It starts during that kind of experience layer. So it's really impacting your entire hiring funnel there. So it's pretty, pretty easy to work backwards to quantify how valuable Canada experience is for, for your company. And... Chris mentioned another important point, which was new customers, right? So this obviously depends on the type of business you are, if you're a very consumer-facing business and you have candidates who actually could be customers. There's a famous study, I you know, you can Google it, on Virgin Media, right, how they were actually losing around $5.5 million annually due to their poor Canada experience, because a lot of those candidates were actually customers and they would churn from a customer standpoint after having this negative experience with the company, right? So there's all these different kind of angles of where Canada experience really matters to, uh, to you as a business.
1: I'll also say that typically, typically, I've got a really big thick paintbrush here, so I'm painting some really broad strokes, but typically a good candidate experience has a correlation to a more efficient hiring process. So it's usually, you're, you can look at your time to fill in addition to some of the qualitative feedback um, and how much time your team, your hiring team spends in the hiring process as much as the candidates as well. So if you're elongating that process and you're really, really drawing it out, my guess is you you're, you hit a point at some point in your process where like it doesn't matter how responsive or positive an experience you're trying to give, it's detrimental as time goes on. There's also a correlation I think in a broader sense of like employee satisfaction, engagement and overall kind of retention that comes with hand in hand. I think there's definitely some like causality between like a good candidate experience and a good employee experience. So sometimes you can have a poor or even neutral candidate experience, but still become an employee. But typically the company has set a stage with how they're going to be treating you once you're in-house, right? So I have definitely spoken to these people many times over the years and increasingly so in this market of people who will continue to look once they have an offer in hand and they're onboarding and they're starting, they're going to keep looking because something about the interview process was indicative of how long they thought they would be spending in that role and the experience they're expecting. So there's, you know, looking at your employee engagement numbers, which are at record lows for most of the companies that I'm speaking to and and or tapping other TAs on the shoulder to see how they're doing, as well as retention.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think, yeah, some really interesting points there. And I think that that I ran a webinar recently on focused on onboarding specifically in that period from when the candidate accepts the job to when we consider them a full-time employee. And I suppose the way we positioned it on that webinar was that candidate go let's say the candidate has a great experience in the process. They accept the job. Yes, they got the job. Fantastic. And you that that excitement levels up there. You've got to keep it up there. You've got to keep it up there all the way through to when they start. They could have a three-month notice period. You've got to keep it up there in those first forty-five days, that like you said, Carl, because absolutely there's such a high drop-off. And you know. It's, easier for that to drop than it is to keep it up there. So there's a lot of weight there, isn't there? Absolutely. Kyle, what's your thoughts around the pushback to the office? And this is something that's happening a lot in the UK. I imagine it's happening a lot in the US and with companies asking people to return to the office. And as we as we go into this crazy world of AI whereby people are able to fake technical tests or deep fake themselves for interviews or whatever, we may see this even more in terms of the candidate experience. There may be more in-person interviews. How does this affect the candidate experience journey and, and how can businesses adapt to make sure the candidate experience is a good one?
3: Sure. So, I mean, when you look at whether you're... Doing- doing an interview in person or you're doing it over Zoom or Google Meet or whatever, the same principles apply, right? So at the end of the day, what candidates want, you know, they want transparency and they want up-to-date communication throughout the whole process, right? So that is relevant whether you're in person or over video and when you kind of you look at the candidate experience in general during kind of the whole interviewing process 70 to 80% of the candidate's time they're spending with a company or with you as a brand is actually outside of those specific interviews Right. So that's still going to be them researching you as a company, researching their potential interviewers, you know, looking at your reviews, you know, preparing for potential questions. That's not going to change. Right. So how can you really enhance on that 70, 80, 80 percent, regardless of you know, where the interview is happening, to give them that best in class experience that you'd want to put forward for your candidates? So it won't comment you know, too much on you know, what the kind of right avenue is in person or video but we still feel like the same principles apply regardless.
0: Yeah, with you. Mary, anything to add on that return to office piece at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to when companies were either adopting remote first or hybrid working or were forced into it with the pandemic. You have to change your strategy because your talent pool is very different, right? Your talent pool tends to open up when you are remote first or you've got hybrid. So you're not tied to a geography or people that have specific logistical limitations to where they can work and their hours and their commitments outside of work. So you really do have to change your strategy. And in turn, if you're going to focus on a specific market, or if you're asking your employees to return to office, or you're now switching your talent acquisition strategy to being in office, your talent pool really, really narrows. And you're also competing with other startups and companies in those spaces. So candidates, the candidate market, it goes from the employer's market back to a candidate's market again. So it's just something to keep in mind. I'm definitely a big fan of hybrid work. I love seeing people in person, but I also love the flexibility of remote work. So, and I think that each company has to decide what's right for them, their business, and the culture they want to create. I also think, too, like you've got shifting preferences and expectations. So, candidates in turn have really adapted to remote working arrangements, and they might not want to do that anymore. You're also, like Kyle mentioned, you're really altering your interviewing and onboarding process. So, how you interview and how you set a candidate up for success with that is really, really different virtually than in person. And then same thing with any technical assessments and then the onboarding.
0: With you. Thanks, Mary. Chris, what are some of the key metrics to track that success of candidate experience investments?
2: I think it goes back to things like offer acceptance ratios, Paul. Looking at, I mean, the best I can speak to it are basically how our customers are looking at it, right? They're looking at offer accept ratios. They're looking at things like candidate sentiment data. So are candidates happy throughout the entire process? What parts of the process are they not happy? Where can we improve it? When you're going into companies,
0: Chris, are they surprised at maybe the stats you might show them around candidate experience? Is it, is it often new to them or have they kind of got some idea?
2: That's a good question, Paul. I think candidate experience is something everyone wants to have the best of, right? I think it's something that a lot of talent leaders talk about. It's something that a lot of talent teams talk about. It's not like anyone's out there saying, I want a bad candidate experience. I think at the end of the day, though, it's really difficult to quantify how to improve it and where to improve it. And then what's the ROI from it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mary, I think we talked a lot on our one-on-one podcast around candidate feedback. And I know that's something that's really, really important to you, as it is, I'm sure, everyone in this room. But what are the mechanisms and how do we make sure that candidate feedback can be leveraged to really improve the employee experience?
1: Yeah, sure. I like doing checkpoints at every stage of the process. So how are you feeling before the interview? How can I help you prepare? And whether you want to do some interview practice or here's some resources to dive into and really digest, as well as following up pretty promptly to one, just hear how, what were your impressions? How did the interview go? How are you feeling at this stage? And then bringing that back into the process and delivering feedback to hiring managers and hiring teams, as well as iterating as you go. So That's not every process and that's not every recruiter that's going to be doing that. But that's something that I found a lot of success in that only helped me build a relationship with talent as to be really, really transparent and also be able to gain as you build that relationship, you gain a lot of trust with them. So they're a little bit more apt once you do that to tell you how they're really feeling versus it was great. And you're getting a sense that maybe they're not sharing everything because they're still keen to see the interview process through. So I found that being really transparent myself and truly turning my listening on and demonstrating that I'm taking their feedback and making actionable responses and adjustments to the process or even to you know specific interview stages based on what they're sharing helps build that trust.
0: Did you, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, of course, because if someone's been accepted to go through to the next stage, they're not going to say, yeah, I'm really happy to go through to the next stage, but your process is terrible, absolutely awful. <laughs> so did you kind of, did you make it anonymous for them? Did that help things at all?
1: I do during the process. And then afterwards, I add. we do a rear view. I do a rear view with the candidates that have been anywhere from a recruiting screen on, but especially those, like, later stages. And I ask them if they're comfortable with me sharing that with the hiring team more often than not they are but I definitely want to ask to make sure that that's something I can share I let them know that their feedback is anonymous during the interview process so it doesn't hinder whether it's incredible enthusiasm and like positive feedback all throughout or they've got some sticky points that our team needs to work through I let them know it's anonymous so it doesn't hinder or hurt their candidacy in either way so I found that really helpful that's a really good point is when do you share that feedback and how do you share that feedback
0: yeah absolutely Kyle so we're talking about candidate experience, but of course, and we're thinking of the candidate in mind there and the commercial elements around give it, delivering a good candidate experience. But of course, we also need to make sure we're hiring the right person, don't we? So how do we do this whilst ensuring an efficient hiring process?
3: Yeah, it's a great question, Paul. So, you know, when you look at candidate experience and efficiency with uh, in terms of your hiring process, I mean, we look at them as one and the same, right? So typically when you are, an organization is having a kind of a known core candidate experience, They have very inefficient processes along the way. So at certain stages, interviewers aren't doing the right thing. And what does not the right thing mean? Maybe they're not sharing the correct information. Maybe they're not allowing time for questions at the end. Maybe the recruiter isn't giving any sort of insight into where the interview or where the candidate stands in the entire process. So really, if you look at that, there is a lot of these inefficiencies or lack of standardization across your entire hiring process. When you introduce standardization, everyone becomes familiar with how things work, how we do things, how our interviewing is going, right? Then you start becoming more efficient and now you're actually creating a better Canada experience because the things that we all want to happen start happening, right? Because it now just becomes part of our process. So we look at kind of those working hand-in-hand efficiency and Canada experience together.
0: Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Mary, anything to add from your point of view on that?
1: Yeah, I always like giving some little tactical pieces too for any kind of recruiters who are kind of building that out. As you try to create a more efficient process, it just means you've got to do a lot more work and building up front even before a role goes live. So something I like to do for candidates is just even in the application and the job advert alone, just share what is the process. So it shows that we've already decided the process. It's usually like, all right, the intro screen with someone of the recruiting team, then the hiring manager who is this title, or maybe even identify exactly who it is I say if it's virtual or in person, how long it will be and how many stages. And once a candidate gets past that initial intro screen, I also hand them a specific doc of, here's the rest of our interview process, and here are some of the types of questions you'll see in our iterative process, as well as these are the core competencies, skills, and behaviors that we'll be testing at each stage and we'll be building upon. And it mirrors the exact document for a structured-based hiring that the internal hiring team has that we've built, not just with the hiring managers, but anyone that's on the panel, so that anyone can see what's happening in the recruiter's what are questions being asked and dove into with the hiring manager what are the rest of the team going to be asking throughout the process and why like what are the skills and key behaviors and competencies that they're going to be looking for so that everyone's on the same page as far as what the expectation is for each stage and it feels you know it just feels like you're setting everybody up for success and you're being really really clear about expectations
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Mary as well, I think earlier on we talked about, I suppose we talked briefly about that correlation between candidate experience and customer experience. Do you want to just elaborate on that a little bit? Because it's an interesting area, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, I worked in enough organizations that had a pretty strong or at least emerging brand that had a small cult following where you had some really enthusiastic, long-time customers, first-time candidates. Obviously, you want to be able to treat everybody the same, but you often saw that correlation and wanted to ensure that regardless of how they got through this process, you want them to have a good experience so that they continue being customers. Usually a good process means if someone hasn't been a customer before and they apply to your role and they have some touch points with your team, but then ultimately don't get it, it's really good if they continue still being a customer, right? But we've also seen processes before where people were customers or they learned of your brand, had a negative experience, and stopped being a customer of your services or products. And not only that, there's a little bit of a trickle effect with the rest of their network. I've seen it happen on both sides. And I've certainly also been in processes before, too, where I was a customer, super enthusiastic. And as the process went on, if it was positive, I remained a customer. If it wasn't, I really thought about whether or not I wanted to continue being one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to people talk, don't they? So it's all important. So and uh, people are much more, always more inclined to say bad things than good things. Kyle, in terms of candidate stories and experiences, how can they be leveraged to enhance the customer journey, do you think?
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think it comes back to a little bit of what Mary was saying, right? It's, and it's just how, what you stand for as a brand, right? And how you're treating people at the end of the day, right? So People buy from companies that stand for something that they believe in, right? So how do you treat the people that you're hiring, right? And that really resonates with people, right? And there's a famous saying, right, like, people don't remember what you said or what you did. They remember how you made them feel, right? So how are you treating your candidates and how are you making them feel, right? And, okay, I want to hire or I want to work or buy from a company like that, right? And there's a very strong correlation, right, across the board, right, whether it's your prospects, your candidates, your customers, uh, your vendors, whatever, right? How do you treat other people, right, as an organization, right? And it trickles through to all these different areas.
1: Yeah, to build on, Kyle, thank you for that because it it helped kind of percolate a few things in my head. Companies talk a lot about their cost of customer, right? They've got a particular Mm. price point of what it takes, but you have an infinite amount of customers, right? And that's kind of the game. You have a finite amount of candidates that will end up getting the role. Sometimes it's one Usually it's one, but sometimes it's even zero. <laughs> so you could go through an entire process and still get no one. It's been a lot of resources doing that. But to build on Kyle's point there, how you treat a customer is usually, or a candidate, is indicative of just how you treat people. I think mm. in broad strokes, again, is how you do something is how you do everything. And whether you kind of are really cognizant or not as a customer or a candidate, if you're being treated in a particular way, whether it's positive, neutrally or negatively, you assume that's how the rest of the people that this organization is touching is being treated as well. So their employees, their vendors, their partners, their leadership, you just make some assumptions and you connect those dots to say, this is how this company treats people. So if they're treating you really, really well, you assume that's probably how everyone else is feeling. So it's got some real trickle effects there.
0: Yeah. I love that saying as well, how you do something is how you do everything. And how you treat somebody is how you treat everybody. So yeah, I'm with that. The final question for everybody, I'll ask everybody to try and give a separate piece of advice so that whoever goes last, whoever I pick on to go last is going to have, to have the, toughest, the toughest one to answer. One piece of advice to a business who wants to start prioritizing candidate experience, what would it be? Kyle, I'll go to you first.
3: Yeah, it's really, what is your kind of experience today, right? And if the answer is, I don't know, then you need to work backwards to find out you know, what it is, right? So start measuring how your candidates are feeling today. That's a big thing with our customers who are coming in. They immediately start looking at all the feedback that they're getting from their customers throughout every step of the interview process. And looking at how candidates are feeling about each different job, right? And now you can kind of take all that feedback in and say, oh, wow, we do things very well here, but over here, we need to make some improvements. So if you're not
0: measuring, you can't improve. So step one is really measuring to understand where you stand. I think it's a great point and I think if you're a business or a talent or a people person right now and you're, your hiring's a little bit slowed down now's the perfect time to go back through two years worth of data and, get, and find out and get some surveys out start thinking about it and really get an idea for it so when you're in the thick of it and you're really hiring sometimes that's the hardest time to actually start thinking about these things ironically enough so now if you've got a bit of downtime from the hiring it's a great time to do it Chris, same question to you one bit of advice if you're just thinking to start about prioritising candidate experience sorry Mary you're going to go last on this Chris, go on <laughs> (laughs) so
2: I would say go through your own process and experience your own process go through every single stage and see how it is right like if you're going through this experience and you're like well this actually isn't great there's not much transparency here there's not much of a process candidates are going to feel the same way right so go through your own process from there you can then start to pinpoint areas of like all right we need to improve here we need to be more transparent here we need to have more communication here so that'd be my best advice is go through your own process Love it. Mary, final one for you.
1: Great. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I would say remember the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated and then add some unreasonable hospitality, which is a little like callback to uh, Will Godara if anyone's watching the bear right now. But just think back to your own experience as a candidate from finding your first job to your current one who made you feel seen? Why? Who treated you the way you wanted to be treated? Who went above and beyond and really wowed you? Who made you take a pause and reassess your excitement about the full scope of opportunity? So I think that's just a really quick way to like just start that candidate experience journey is by reflecting on your own experience and thinking about what are some of the expectations I came to the table with that were met and that weren't.
0: Fantastic. And uh, a final, Chris, I'll give you a chance to just, if anybody wants to find out more about Candidate FYI, what should they do?
2: Sure. So you can go right to our website, which is candidate.fyi. You can connect with Kyle and I on LinkedIn. Uh, we both have the same last name, so it should be easy. And yeah, you can connect with Mary. She's one of our amazing advisors. Yeah, there's a ton of different ways.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, thank you, all three of you, for this great conversational Candidate experience. Thank you for being a part of Talent and Growth. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Paul. Paul. Okay, thank you for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed that enlightening conversation about Candidate Experience with three great people. They're just three great human beings. Got a lot of love for what they're doing at Candidate.fyi. And yeah, if you've enjoyed the episode, you enjoy Talent and Growth, if you enjoy me, please do hit subscribe, hit follow. It makes a huge difference when we're trying to attract great guests to the show. And we've got some incredible guests coming up over the next few weeks and months. So stay locked on for that. But yeah, hit me a like hit me a subscribe, share me with someone. Go on, share me. See you next time.